Welcome back into the Rounding Third podcast on a Tuesday. A little different today, but we got Harrison and Sean with us tonight. How are we doing, fellas? Good, good man. How are we doing? Oh, thanks for asking this time, <laughs> fellas. I'm doing good. You know, we, we learned our lesson, Nick. <laughs> Last week was hilarious, but um, yeah, things are going well. Uh, works crazy, but that's why we have baseball to talk about. So, Indeed. amen. Before we baseball's get... not crazy right now, but that's fine. Oh my God. Now that football's over, baseball season is officially upon us. Oh, almost a couple more days. We're getting there. But, all right. Before we get going, make sure you follow and like us on Facebook. You can also subscribe on YouTube. You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Leading off, we're going to start with the announcement of the release of these Red Sox documentaries that are coming out is it netflix that's doing it yeah i think netflix yes. yeah. yeah so netflix is doing these documentaries on the 2014 and then lucky for all the viewers out there the 2024 team that we will see on the field this year yeah. hard knocks for the opponents against this terrible pitching staff yeah so that's essentially what netflix is kind of going for is like a hard knocks but baseball world here i guess um the 2004, I feel like there's been so many documentaries on it. And we've all seen every single clip there is, you know, out there. So, I mean, is it fun to watch that stuff? Yeah, of course. I mean, 2004, I broke the curse. Like, I get all that stuff. But and that season was amazing. Like, the whole, you yeah. know, the the ALCS, like, there's there so much good yeah. stuff there. But it's been, we've, we've watched so many versions of this thing already. What are they going to do different? Right. Well, yeah, that's my question. I mean, I, and I'm going to watch it. Obviously, oh, absolutely. But right. I'm curious, like how much new stuff, how much new interviews or how much new information can we really get? Probably not that much, but I'm yeah. still going to watch it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be sick. That part. The 2004 one's going to be awesome. 2024, yeah. I don't know. I'll still yeah. watch it. But I, I saw a meme the other day. Somebody, I think they, they renamed it. It was Given Up Hard Knocks. Because <laughs> that's all that team's going to do in 2024. Yeah, man. I it will be kind of interesting to see like how much behind the scenes stuff we'll get. Not necessarily with the players. Like I'm more interested in seeing if there's front office stuff that's on this documentary too. I, I wonder if we even see anybody from the front office or if they're just gonna avoid the team like they have all winter. Well, and, and that's that's my question. But as a fan, like I almost don't even care about what the players go through day to day. Like I, I wanna know what the hell is going on in that front office. And if this is even anybody there, right? And if this documentary shows that, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, it's I would love to. It would it'll be cool just to see behind the scenes, whatever whatever they show. I'd be curious, like, how's Alex Cora with the guys really? Because there seems to be some friction with him and some players. You know, what is that front office dynamic like? Um, what is this team like, considering they've basically turned the whole thing over um, with Sale now out of town? You've just kind of got Devers left. Like, what is it like there? Is it? it and why don't players want to come here? Is there something else to that story? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, there's been rumblings that people still want to try to get Trevor Bauer here, possibly, to give That's him. Amazing. And then there's still money to get Jordan Montgomery here and stay under the cap. Whether that happens or not, I, I'm not holding my breath. It's not going to happen. But, I mean, Sean made the point before we came on, like, if you know these documentaries are coming down the pipe, why wouldn't you want to spend and make this team as good as you can? Yeah. 
Like, I mean, well, I just think it just gives you an insight into what they're truly thinking, regardless of what they say. Like they can come out and make all the comments and stuff that they want, but if you, as an ownership group, know that this is coming and a spotlight is going to be on your organization behind the scenes in the locker room, day to day conversations with players, coaches, front office. And you're still going to put like essentially a triple A roster out there. <laughs> uh, it's just probably not the best look. Yeah. You know, I, but like even I sort of think today I was trying to find it while you were given that intro and I, I have yet to be able to find it, but Breslow made some kind of comment about how, you know, we can still, you know, add to this team for the short term and for the long term, you know, build up the farm system, but it's even okay to admit that it isn't coming together the way that even I thought it was going to, which is like kind of eye-opening. Like the guy that you gave the GM job thought that he was going to have more leeway. Like what did you lead him down a road knowing full well that you weren't going to give him what you told him in the interview process you were going to give him? I don't know, but it just, it was an odd statement for Breslow to make because it almost seemed like he was expecting things to be a little bit different and he's on the inside. So it just, you know, it just adds an extra layer to like this whole thing's kind of messed up. Yeah. Well, it is. And and Netflix didn't just like decide they're going to do this two weeks ago. Like this has been in works for a while. Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. How, how the Red Sox not thought they'd want to look good for this, or is that really just where they're at? They don't care. Maybe they look at this as more of a marketing piece or why somebody should come buy the ball club. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's horrifying to think that they're going to, we're going to roll a special out with a team. That's probably no better than 500 again. Um, The front office is clearly a mess a new GM who can't get traction and well, for what, you know, but, but it'll Theo, be interesting to see. It's, it's just more money coming in for them. They're but probably just Theo, like, Oh, Hey, yeah. Well, just- and I swear if, if Theo is the centerpiece of this 2024 part of the documentary and they even came out and they were like, he's going to have nothing to do with the baseball day to day. Like, what are we uh, doing? That would be awesome. Crazy. But yeah, it's just another, another money grab for them to make more money. You know, more people that watch these documentaries, the more money the Red Sox made that they just line their pockets with or buy another sports franchise with. That's what it's going to boil down to. Yeah, it's just it's and it's going to be I, sad that this is what they're going to roll out there to the to the whole world. I hate to be the guy that's like so like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of prickly, I guess, for lack of a better word, about the Red Sox. Like I'm, I was saying to Nick before we got on, like I'm I'm 34. All right, so between me being 14 and 34, I've seen the Red Sox win four World Series. Yeah. Four. Like, my dad, like, our parents' generation, like, they <laughs> suffered for years with, like, oh, yeah. teams that should have won and just found ways to lose. And I've seen four, and it's because of this ownership group. Like, they don't win, right. you know, 04, 07, 13, and 18. They don't do it without this ownership group. So it's like you almost want to give them leeway, in a sense, because it's mm-hmm. like, well, they did bring four, right. but – the last handful of years has just been so polarizing because the way that they've gone about the past few years has just been so like frustrating because it's almost, I don't want to say it's worse because it's not worse. I mean, to go 60, 70 years seeing them lose the way that they did is just, I'm not saying it's almost worse, but it's like to get a taste to be like, they know what works. Like they've done it. They know what works. They know you got to go spend the money, right? You got to build, but you got to spend the money. Yes, you have to build up the farm system, but you got to spend the money. Like it always comes back to, you got to spend the money. Like they know it works, and then they're just avoiding the main part of what works, 
and it's 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 frustrating. It's almost like they they've used up all of that <laughs> goodwill that they got from the you know the the, the four titles. It's weird. And I I think it would be easier to swallow if they weren't investing in all of this other crap too on the side. You know and what I, I mean? I, I don't think it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you guys. I'll be really? honest with you. Okay. It, it doesn't, and I I don't I don't know why. Like I don't know. Like to me, I guess I, I try to put myself in the position of like a like a businessman, like a legitimate like multi billionaire like these guys are. Like you want to diversify as much as you mm-hmm. can. Like you want to put your fingers in as many pies as you can. Like I don't think that necessarily is bad business. No, no but it, I'm I mean, great does, business. But it doesn't prioritize the Red Sox. I think is what I was more saying. Is like well, when your attention is elsewhere, you can't focus on the Red Sox. At, as a whole. And I think that's where the fans frustration is. It's like, yeah, well, you've kind of just like casted us off to the side because you're focused on everything else and your money's going somewhere else where the Red Sox clearly need help. You're not anywhere to be well, found. And, and here's the, here's the parallel I'll draw for you. Cause I, I agree with both of you to a certain extent. I think the family sports group is an absolute sports monster and good for them being involved with what they're involved in. But as a Red Sox fan, to Sean's point, we've won four titles. And it was all after this ownership group got involved. They know what works. They've been here. They've done that. And we got used to them continually competing. And then all of a sudden, they just stopped. It was like 2019 came. It was like, boom, we're done. We're done investing in this team. We're going to just ride this thing out. But if you if you look back in 2019, that was when I believe they made their first investment outside of the Red Sox. I want to say that was when it was either Liverpool or racing started. And no, they were in Liverpool the, long before 19. Was Liverpool, Liverpool before 18? Okay, then yeah, maybe it was racing that came on. For a while. They made another big investment in 2019. Maybe it was, that was the racing team, which is a massive amount of money. You should watch that NASCAR special on Netflix to see what that's like. Um, and then they just, the, the faucet shut off. And the issue as a Red Sox fan is that you can see as their interest shifted, which I don't blame them for. Good for them. I'd want to own every freaking team on the planet too. Once their interest shifted away from the Red Sox, this team fell apart. And it's it, that's the hard part is that you can draw that clear line of they got interested yeah. in other stuff. The Red Sox became less of a priority, and therefore the team has been terrible since the last championship in 2018. And that's why we are where we are. And they've been they've they've not spent, they've not invested, they've done very little about this team, and yet they don't say anything. Like they won't just admit to what's going on. They can't just say, "Hey, look, we're rebuilding. Hey, we're going to retool. Hey, we're going to change direction." Every every offseason season, it's just. Or we're going to be you're working on it. Or this offseason, Sam Kennedy telling us that we're all liars if we think we're, they're not investing in the team. Your payroll right. numbers tell us you're not. Like, I don't need to be a, a math superstar to figure that out. But just tell us what you're doing. That's all. That's all the fans want to know. Just tell us what you're doing because clearly this isn't your priority. Yeah, Doug makes a great yeah, point. I, How I, are you going to call yeah. yourself Fenway Sports Group and you stop caring about what goes on in Fenway? It's fair. I mean, I. I I agree. I, I, I mean, I know. guess. I mean, that's the name of the company. I mean, it's like it's all brand recognition at this point. I mean, like right. it's it's. Right. I get it. It's that's true. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm with you, Harrison. I, I I think for me, the frustrating part comes from the, like, just be upfront and open about it. Mm-hmm. Like, just be honest, right? Yep. Like, don't you know? And I've said, used it. Like, I don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. Like, I can right. see what's happening. Yep. Like, I I know exactly what's going on. And then again, the CM Kennedy come up, oh, you're fooling yourselves and you're lying if you think yeah. we're not investing. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure you're not investing. Like, I know I'm not <laughs> in those rooms, but like, I'm right. pretty sure it's just kind of on the surface that 
it's not a priority. And I, I think that is where some frustration comes in. But like I said, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, for me, I can speak for myself. Like you had a little bit of goodwill because of the four titles you've won. It, it's gone now for yep. the most part, like that goodwill of sticking there being like, well, we know what it takes to win. It's like, okay, well now that you know what it takes to win, let's go do what it takes to win. Um, yep. And I'm not talking about like being in the division race in July. Like I don't care yep. about July, like right. be in the division race in September, you know, have an opportunity to, 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 do some damage and make some noise. And it's almost as if they think that that, what was it? 20, was it 19? What, what, uh, 20, no, 2019, right? Was that the year we went to the ALCS? No, wasn't it 21? In, 20, 21. It 21. Yeah. When my PK year, was my on fire. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So 21, yeah. it was almost as though they, none of us expected them to be there in 2021. You're yeah. right. It was 21. We weren't, and it's almost like they felt like that. Well, that was kind of like a championship. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, we got you there when we weren't technically supposed to be there. So, like, right. let's add that to the goodwill meter. It's like, but you didn't win. Like, that's, and then you, and then you came back the next year and just failed miserably. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's almost like they, it's almost like they look at that as like, oh, you see, you see what we did in 2021. Like, we're still trying. Yeah. It's like, but you didn't even try in 2021. It just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's 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 it is frustrating. It is frustrating. I, I I should say my only kind of disagreement, if it we can call it that, is it doesn't bother me as much that they are invested in other places. It's the kind of not openness with the fan base about where the, the yeah. Red Sox direction is. I don't necessarily care about the direction of Fenway Sports Group. I really don't care. Right. Like no. I'm not I don't wake up in the morning and check how the Pittsburgh Penguins did. Like I don't care about the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, it's funny though. The fact that the well, but I was just gonna say to that point though, Sean. You think about how big Red Sox Nation is. Like, if Red Sox fans are happy and you're promoting Liverpool at Fenway Park, well, geez, Red Sox fans might tune in for you, or they might support the the Fenway Roush Racing Group or whatever the hell it was. Or they might, you know, they might take an interest in the other stuff if you're treating them well. But you're kind of you're as soon as you said, you know, you're pissing on Red Sox Nation's head and expecting them to be okay with the fact that you're talking about Liverpool. Or you're you're blowing off the winter event for the fans because you've got other priorities. Like, yeah, st- just just tell us what's going on. Like, and yeah. I'm all for. It. I hope I would. I hope they buy an NBA team and all these other things. But at the same time, like, I want you to treat the Red Sox the same way you treat this other stuff, and just give it some attention, and put people in place that can actually make decisions. Yeah. Sam Kennedy, empty friggin' suit. Craig Breslow seems that way. You you gave the guy an empty checkbook, and then you're and then you're you're surprised he hasn't signed anybody. Like, what just. What the hell are we doing? Just tell us. Red Sox, honestly, Red Sox fans, we waited 86 years. We're patient. We just want to know what the hell's going on. Are we trying or are we not? Right. We are educated fans. The Red Sox, Red Sox fans as a whole are educated about their baseball and about their team. Just let us know what's going on and we're going to be behind you. Yeah. Like it doesn't like it's pulling the wool over our eyes that we're frustrated about. Like, or we are clearly seeing something. And there's like millions of us seeing it, and you're saying, "Oh no, no, that's not happening." Oh, uh, okay. It's a gaslight yeah, on is. a major level. Oh, big <laughs> yeah, Major gaslight. Sure. And I look yeah. at it as it, Fenway Sports Group. The better Fenway Sports Group does, the more money they have to deploy to all these teams. Like, in theory, like, sure. I want the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins to to do well and make the money. I want the racing team in Liverpool and all this stuff to do well and make the money. But I'd like to see some of that money come back to the Red Sox. I don't want to see all the money from the Red Sox get sucked out and thrown at other stuff. Like, yeah. spread the love a little bit. Right. 
So, so yeah, those documentaries will be out at some point. Um, I don't know exactly when, but it will be interesting to see what 2024 looks like. So, all right. We have actually a little bit of free agent news. One of the big, big four still left. Jorge Soler signs with the Giants three years, 42 millions um, with the Giants. Um, kind of puts a big thump in the middle of that lineup there. So it does I think that's a that's a that's a good signing for the Giants. And Matt Chapman's still out there to possibly add to that lineup too. So and I haven't heard anything on that front lately either. And what kills me is so like all, three, all the three years, forty-two quick. million. That's not huge money for Solaire. No, it's a good contract. Yep, absolutely. Well, it's just sometime in twenty twenty-five. I just looked it up. Oh, that's, that's what it says. Oh, so well. sometime, so well after this season is over. Yeah, makes sense. So we get to watch them win like seventy games and then relive it all over again. So <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to relive this hell of a good season yeah, all over just again. just relive it all over again. Goodness. Love it. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Solaire to the Giants, it's a good move for them. Big bat in the middle of that lineup. You know, a possible 30-100 guy. Um, and then if Chapman ends up going in there, too, which, I mean, I think there's still a couple other suitors for him, but Giants seem to be the big link for Chapman. But It's um, the only team yeah. consistently rumored. It's just yeah. like, I, that... There should there should be a lot of teams interested in him. Why are there not? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, we got Clayton Kershaw is back to the Dodgers, so for one year. So instead of hanging him up or going into Texas like kind of earlier rumored, uh, he's going back to the Dodgers. So and that kind of solidifies their rotation until yeah, the playoffs. And did I read correctly that Kershaw's not even back until like June, anyways? I believe so. It's either shoulder like some or shoulder back. thing he had done. Yeah, I think so. I, I didn't even realize he had something done. So I, I thought he was going to be at spring training ready to go. Yeah. That works for them. What, yeah. what does he need May and April and May innings for? No, I mean it doesn't. He's pitched yeah. a few times. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah I read that. I, mean, I was like, that, huh. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Seems like all those older guys are coming back mid-season now. You know, it's, it's like whatever. You know, Scherzer's coming back midseason. Degrom will be back midseason. I mean, he's not older, but we all know his history. But Kershaw. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, April and May doesn't mean anything, honestly. No, and but, and they're gonna, you know, he he'll come in when somebody starts to get tired or gets hurt, and it's like a, it's like making a trade and just randomly shows up. But and there's a lot of money in this contract. He's guaranteed 10 million in the first year. He can actually earn. 12 and a half million more this year in incentives. And then he can actually create from that a second year to this contract where 25 million bucks. There, there's a lot of money in this contract. If he, if he comes out and pitches, which are they taking some of the Red Sox money? Where are they I getting made, all this money? I don't know. It's I was reading the, the details on that contract. So I'm like, Oh, one year deal. No big deal. No, it's a one year with a, with an option that vests. It's a $37.5 million incentive package on top of that 10 million bucks. That's that's it was it was <laughs> it's uh, wild. That was that was the hidden clause in the Carl Crawford deal. We sent Carl Crawford there and they were like, Yeah, but yeah. in 2024, we get 80% of your money. And no <laughs> one knows about it. <laughs> right. And that's why the Red Sox aren't spending any money. They've been sending it ever since. <laughs> like, what's going on? They're spending so much money. That's yeah. crazy. It, it just it doesn't it's it's wild, but he literally there's this thing's so incentive laden that if he just shows up and goes out there and pitches, he's gonna make a boatload. 
he can. Um, Jose Altuve is staying in Houston probably for the rest of his career. Five years, $125 million extension. Um, nice. Good for the Astros. I don't. I can't really picture Jose Altuve in a different uniform. To be I agree. Completely honest. Yeah, I agree. No, no it just would seem wrong. But. It's like that weird clip I saw on Twitter. It was Ricky Henderson hitting a leadoff home run for Seattle. It's like, that just looks weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. That just looks weird. Jose Altuve anywhere else would look weird. Yeah, it just wouldn't be right. And yeah. and I, honestly, like, I mean, as talented as he is, like, he just, he fits so well there. He's not a guy that necessarily fit absolutely everywhere because he's kind of a unique leadoff guy. But, man, it works with that lineup. Yeah, for sure. Um. Adolis Garcia signs a two-year extension to avoid arbitration. There was a lot of back and forth there. They were a couple million dollars apart, um, but they finally agreed to a year, two-year extension there. So Garcia will um, will be in Texas and signs that two-year extension. So nice. good for them. Yep. Um, and then Vladdy Jr., first of all, gets the cover of the show 2024. He does. And... Of uh, wins the arbitration case, which you said Harrison's a record, right? Nineteen point nine million dollars. Yeah, so nineteen point nine million is the most that an arbitration panel has ever awarded. You and I were talking about it, Nick, specifically because Otani got thirty million last year, Soto got thirty-one million this year, but those were agreements between the player and the team before the panel heard the case. This is the first time that teams have said, "No, we're not going to agree. We're taking it to a panel." Um, And Guerrero Jr. got the largest panel awarded contract in history. Gotcha. And he got exactly what he was asking for. He wanted 19.9. They were offering him like 17. Um, and the panel chose him, chose his side. Nice. And there's a lot of talk. I've, I've read a ton of articles lately. People think he's going to have a monster season. That he's he spent the offseason working hard. He's lost a little bit of weight. Like he's back to the focus guy he was a couple years ago. And we'll see. I mean, I hope so. Because I want that Vlad Guerrero Jr. back. Do I want him back in the AL East? Like, no. But I want to see Why that not? guy. Well, so who cares? Anything? Sure. <laughs> well, Whatever. Bring it. Fair. But I want to see him in, in prime Guerrero form. Well, like, they, I know they need him can... to be. That, that team did not get better this offseason. They're going to need him to absolutely go out there and hammer. Yeah. I... Yeah, I mean, this has to be, and I know we're getting a little off track here, but this has to be the last year for this Toronto core, right? Like, I mean, this has to be. Yeah, there was talks. I guess the Dodgers right. threw out feelers for Bo Bichette, and it's like, God, why would it? So if, if they're, if, they're <laughs> if Toronto's saying no, so, you know, obviously Vlad just won his arbitration case, and, and they want to keep him, obviously. I mean, sure. if they're saying no, if they want to keep Vlad and they want to keep Bo, and, you know, Kevin Biggio last year was up and down, you know, between the minors and the majors, and, you know, he's but a good young talent. I mean, how how many years can they go in with this young core, young core, right? And 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 swing and miss, you know, no pun intended. But like, how often can they do it before they're like, we gotta shake things up, like yeah. we gotta move Bo, or we gotta move Vlad, or we gotta, I I don't know. I mean, how many how many years? I mean, I think honestly, like a huge wrench in all of that was last year with Alec Manoa. Like that was sure. a, a huge that, yeah. wrench and a hurdle for the Blue Jays to try to overcome. I mean, he was a Cy Young candidate, and then you get this pitch clock rules in here, and he just uh, falls apart. Yeah. So, but so your two, your two anchor players, Boba Shett and Vlad Jr., are both unrestricted free agents in twenty twenty six. 
So you got two two more years years of control before you've got to make a decision. Yeah. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't, you know, they don't go for broke and try to bring people in that they end up getting traded. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I could see them maybe moving one of those guys this year. If they don't, if they're not in contention middle of the year, same. unless you're convinced, you know, or or you're going to do what the Red Sox did. You're going to let one of those guys go here and then give the other guy the big contract and build around them. Um, Right. But I I just, I think somebody may go this year if they're not hanging on. Yeah. Kind of like the Soto with like a year left, like on his, on his contract and get the biggest package you can for him. But yeah, just take what you can get now, you know, because, Bichette's under control. He's under contract two more years. Flatty's got another year of arbitration. And then they're unrestricted, and those guys are going to get some deals. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, so we're still waiting on Blake Snell. You know, your reigning Cy Young Award winner still doesn't have a job. Um, Jordan Montgomery we're still waiting for. Doesn't even have an offer. Forget about a job. It's it's (laughs) crazy. I was was reading an article, and I'd love to get your take on it, guys. I was reading an article. I want to say it was in the Athletic. Um, basically, you know, to boil it all down, this is very, very bad for MLB to have to have all these free agents still available. But especially when you've got five or six marquee free agents available, when the entire league begins to report to spring training tomorrow, like what? So I guess first of all, is it a problem? And secondly, why? Why are there so many of these quality guys? still without even an offer let alone a let alone a contract i i I don't know i i wonder if you know players are starting to think players and agents i wonder i don't know are starting to think that they have more leverage than they kind of recognize that they had in the past right like you know i i I don't think that this is um what's the word i'm looking for I, i don't think that this is a coincidence that this is happening shortly after the whole like COVID season, short season kind of players are now understanding that they can still perform pretty well when they show up late. Mm-hmm. Like these guys, like don't, I mean, if any, anyone is kidding themselves, they think these guys aren't working out. Right. Like, yeah, if right. they think that they don't, if they think they're not putting in the work or getting right. swings in or, or throwing their bullpens or doing their throwing regiments and all that, you're crazy if you don't think they're doing this just because they don't have a team affiliated with their name. Yeah, Blake Snell's like, not sitting poolside eating Doritos. Yeah, like these guys are all putting in the work. And I think they're starting to say, you know what, we have more leverage. Like, and this is where like agents, guys like Scott Boris that we've, you know, heard about for years. But this is where, like, I wonder if these guys are going, you know what, like, let's not give in. Like, let's see. Because inevitably it happens every year. You show up to spring training, pitchers and catchers, what, tomorrow, right? The 14th, you said. Yep. So they show up. There's going to be, a within the first week, an injury that no one was anticipating. Yep. You know, there's going to be a starting pitcher that comes in and they have forearm tightness, and it's like, oh, here we go, MRI, and then it's Tommy jo- – and now it's, oh, we're going to scramble. Maybe maybe we should give Blake Snell the money he's looking for. Maybe we should overpay a little bit for George Montgomery. I mean, it happens every year. Yeah. Oh, always. So, always. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I – do I think it's bad for baseball? I don't think it's great. I don't think it's great for baseball. But I, I also am really – I really don't foresee the season starting and both of these guys are onside. <laughs> right. Sure. You know what I mean? Two I, of like, the I, best lefties will, in the league. Two, like, they're both like, – right. Like, 
pr- not just best lefties, proven postseason lefties. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, right. like these guys will have jobs. I just, I think players are starting to stand up and agents are going, you know what? We have more leverage than, than players in the past thought that we had. Like, let's, let's stand firm. We're going to still work. We're going to still, you know, these guys are going to see how much we work. They're going to see the progress we're making and they'll come to us. Don't worry. They'll come to us. I don't know. I just, you know, we saw it in 2020 with the COVID year, you know, we guys showed up. I mean, guys signed late. They didn't know whether we were going to have a season guys opted out, not played. And then we had opportunities for the guy. It was just, it was bizarre. And I, I, I think we're going to start to see this more and more every offseason from now on. Guys just holding on to the last second. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I'm with you. But yeah. yeah, I think for I think for a pitcher, I, I totally agree. I think for a pitcher, I think getting there super early is not necessarily as important as it as it seems to be because these guys these guys are throwing to catchers. They're throwing to batters in most cases. Like they're still getting their work in. They're they're doing their long toss. Like I feel like a pitcher's program doesn't change that much. But for the hitters, it's getting the reps, getting the at bats, seeing the live pitching, which I'm sure you, I'm sure you can see some of that. But it's not quite the same as seeing major league guys on a major league mound um, to get your timing down. But you know, you've got Ballinger and Chapman and Snell and Montgomery. You can just keep going down the list. There's all these free agents still out there, and a lot of the rumors are the players' association is freaking out. Like all this money got spent on literally like four players. Where the hell's the rest of it? Like, why is no? Why are these other guys not coming off the board? And there's there's concerns about you know is there a collusion in place? Are the players asking for too much? Are the teams are the teams just not willing to make any long term commitments right now? There's all these theories spinning, but you've got the people internally at MLB and the players association kind of freaking out that there's all this talent still on the street, uh, and the and and everybody's showing up to spring training by tomorrow. It's uh, it's just it's weird, and I I don't disagree that we will we'll probably see more of this, but. This is a lot. This is a lot for one single off season. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. Yeah, so I don't will... know. I also think. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was. No, I was just gonna say. I I think from the the standpoint of like ownership, maybe too. It's like a ton of money has certainly been spent, mainly by LA, but a ton <laughs> of money has been spent, and it's on a handful of players. And I wonder if kind of the the philosophy moving forward on the side of ownership in front office, this is going to be like, hey, like we can pay Buco bucks to a couple of guys and then just fill in the rest of the roster spots because like we have now, you know, three horses that we can rely on. And now the rest of the lineup is filled in with just okay guys. You know, we got young guys coming up that we can fill in. We have control over these guys where we can bring them up for a little while, send them back down and it's not going to impact us for a couple more years, like kind of finding loopholes in the way that we can use the organization and not just, the 25 man roster, but extend it to the 40 man roster. I don't know. I, I just, it's an odd off season because there are so many big ones, but I just have a feeling that we're going to start to see this more and more, maybe not with this caliber of free agencies, yeah. free agents every year. Um, but I, I think this is going to be something we should be probably getting used to seeing is maybe one or two big names every year, kind of middle, late February. They don't even know where they're going yet. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I heard I heard a couple interesting theories, and I know you want to move on, Nick. But when you look at this free agent group, you got a lot of guys that have some sort of ward on them. You know, Snell's a five inning pitcher. Montgomery's really kind of had these odd seasons. Um, you know, Chapman is a low average, high strikeout guy, great defender. Like, there's little tiny warts on these guys, and there's this feeling that these 
teams just don't want to pay that kind of money to guys that are not like the elite of the elite. Like these guys are at the lower end of elite. Um, well, good luck fielding a team of Ken Griffey juniors. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Is, it's, this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, you know, Blake Snow wants nine years, two seventy. you know, do you want to give that to a guy who's going to give you five and a third? Like, I don't know. Maybe there's an argument to be made for that, but the second piece of it too, is that there's also a feeling that these analytics departments have gotten so big and have gotten so deep that they're running the analytics and some of these players that are out there and just saying, nah, they're not worth that. I can, we can go pick up these two guys. Nobody's ever heard of, and they'll give you about the same. We don't, we don't need to pay the extra money for this guy. And it's almost like we're going deeper into Moneyball because they're going to spend buku bucks. Like Sean said, on, on the kind of the upper crust, the elite of the elite players are going to get the massive contracts. And then the analytics departments are saying, well, I can fill in a lot of the blanks after that with guys that are good enough to make right. the team competitive. I mean, especially in Blake Snell's scenario alone, he only gives you five and a third innings average. Right. Like you can find that. You can find that. You can find one or two guys that can give you five and a third fairly consistently. Yep. But then find me those same guys, though, that can nut up in postseason time. I, like, I, I think agree. That's where, right. And that's where, like, analytics, I think there's a, certainly a spot for it in all sports, most certainly baseball. I mean, it's been around the longest in baseball. But, like, at the end of the day, you've got to play the game on the field. Exactly. And you, you're you're going to have to go out and have guys that can perform when they have to perform. Yep. Yeah. Like you have to find guys. And like, to me, I, I just, I don't know that there's any substitute for a guy that has consistently done it. No, there's not, you know, like in, in, yeah, sure. Like analytically over the course of 162. Yeah. I can go out and plug the hole with two guys that are consist- going to consistently give me five and a third and they're going to do enough to keep my team in the game. And we have an offense that can score enough runs. But at the end of the day, when you've got to win a game in right. September to give yourself a two cushion lead in the division, like, do I want that fill in the blank guy? Yeah. Do, do I, I want the want good Blake enough Snell? guy? Right. No, and do, I, and like, I, I want agree. Jordan Montgomery. I want Blake Snell. I want right. Garrett Cole. Like, that's who I want. And if you have to pay, you know, nine years in 270 is, is, a, is a bit much, but if I'm a team that's vying for a championship, like if I'm the Red Sox, I don't do it because that doesn't make me that much better. That doesn't put me in contention for a world series. But like, if I'm a team that's on the cusp, then yeah, give me five and a third from Blake Snell every five days. I don't care in May and August and July. Like I don't care because I'm going to have that guy that needs to go seven and he'll go seven in October. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what you, what you just said, I think is part of it too. I think, I think teams are looking at the gaps between where they are and where that next level of team is. And they're like, well, if I sign Blake Snell, it doesn't fill the gap. Like, so what's the point? Right. You know, I need more than just Blake mm-hmm. Snell, and I can't afford more than just Blake Snell. So I can't, I right. can't catch the Dodgers. I can't catch the Yankees. I can't catch the Orioles. I can't, I can't catch that team because that one guy isn't, isn't enough for me to fill that gap. So rather than spend the money to finish five games behind them, I'll just finish middle of the pack. And it is what it is because I can't catch them anyways. Right. I agree. All right. Uh, we are going to move on to our blurred picture trivia segment. So as they come up, and if you're watching, you can don't, also don't you don't you answers. sigh, Shawnee. You you had a you I had a banner week last week. I stink at this. So I think, here... I think you got three quarters of them last week. Don't you go there? <laughs> so here we go. First one played from 1981 to 1994 with the Twins. One time All Star, two time World Series. 293 career home runs and first baseman. Who is this? Is that Herbeck? It is Kent Herbeck. Nice job. 
I was right. enjoyed. I always enjoyed watching him hit. Right. Him and Kirby Puckett, such a good oh, yeah. duo there. All right, next one. Play from 1990 to 2003 with the A's, the Orioles, the Mets, back with the Orioles, and then the Blue Jays. One-time All-Star, 91 career home runs, 1,500 career hits, shortstop and second baseman. Who is this? It is also another main product. Oh, um... <laughs> Go back up real quick. Let me double check the years. 20 years ago. Boy. Oh, um. Oh, not Swift. Uh, what the what, what was the guy's name? This is Bordick. Mike Bordick. Yes. Yes. Bordick. Right at the buzzer. Right. <laughs> like I from you main like you main product. Like yep. man, oh man. Yeah. All right. Next one. Played from 1981 and then 1983 to 1993 with Blue Jays, Cubs, and White Sox. MVP in 1987, three-time All-Star, three-time Silver Slugger, and a left fielder. Who is this? Mondesi? No, not Mondesi. This is a was a pretty common name. I think as soon as you hear it, you would definitely know who this is. It is. It's like a one row, something like that, isn't it? Nope. I'm close though, aren't I? <laughs> no, I'm not. No. <laughs> All right. This this is George Bell. Oh, George Bell, duh. Yeah. Oh, that's a dumb one. Yeah, George Bell. Sorry. All right. Here we go. Next one. Played in 1993 for the Cubs. Only made seven appearances. A hundred mile an hour fastball. And he had the biggest Pepsi endorsement at the time. And he's a pitcher. Who? Henry Rowan Gardner. This. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love the fact you got before it came up. I'm like, who yes. could this be? I'm like, yes. I'm still thinking it's a real ball player. Yes, Henry Rowan Gardner. First off, he was a real ball player. Secondly. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, we can get it. I have major, major plot plot holes in that movie. Great movie. But, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of that movie that just makes no sense. But Most of that movie makes no sense, but it's still a classic. It's the best. You're welcome for that. That was my surprise. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here thinking it's a real player, and Sean immediately <laughs> caught on to where this was going. All right. Played from 1985, 1986, and then 88 to 98 with the Mariners, Giants, Rockies, and Mariners. 94 and 78 win-loss record, 3.95 ERA. First starting pitcher to ever start at Coors Field. Who is this? Uh, is it Kyle? No, you said his name earlier. Also, another main product. Oh, Swift. Yes, Bill Swift. Yep. So, through the the last couple main boys in there. There we go. All right. Yeah. So, Sean, they did play baseball <laughs> back in the eighties. I don't, I know that might be a bit of a newsflash. Yeah, but I mean, it's, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to do? I wasn't around. <laughs> All right. Played from 1989 to 2007 with the Orioles, Astros, Padres, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, Angels, Giants, and Rockies. Man. 304 career home runs, 2,548 oh. career hits, two-time All-Star, 2001 World Series with Arizona, five-time gold glove, center fielder. Who is this? Steve oh, Finley? Luis Gonzalez? Not Steve Finley. Steve Finley. 
Yeah, Steve Finley. I knew it was I was coming through, but I shot I saw Sean. He's like I saw him nod his head. I'm like, oh Shawnee's got this one. Yeah. No, Steve. no, I, I was nodding my head about something else. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right. Next one. Played from 1995 to 2010 with the Royals, the A's, Mariners, and Phillies. Five-time All-Star, 297 career average, 13 years in Kansas City, wow. first base in DH. Who is this? Sweeney. Yes, sir. Mike, Mike Sweeney. Sweeney. He had a sweet swing. High yes, average guy. Yep. Very great. Good ball player for them. All right. Played from 1995 and then 1997 to 2002 with the Yankees. Immaculate inning in Major League debut. Oh, wow. Career 14.8 K per nine ratio, and he's a pitcher. Who is this? <laughs> That's quite the picture. Oh, boy. Is that a Rabu? Nope. Oh wait, what movie is this from? <laughs> this is from another movie. Is this uh? Is this the rookie? Is it's not the rookie. This oh, is. Does that Billy Chapel? No. No, that's for love of the game. I know. I love for love of the game. I can't, Brendan Fraser's character in in yes. hilarious. Well, no, it's not the rookie. That's uh the scout. Oh, the scout. Sorry, not not the rookie. The scout. This is Steve Nebraska. There it is. Yeah. Brendan Fraser's character. I was wondering why there was nobody in the stands. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's a weird picture. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'll give you a hint. There's two more coming up. That's so. a that is a good movie. For two more movie ones coming up. Oh yeah, somewhere in here. Okay. Yeah, The Scout right. is a good movie for the record. Brendan Fraser is really good in it. Yeah. Uh, next one played from 1991 to 2005 with the Cubs, Yankees, Giants. Royals, Braves, Red Sox, Mets, Mariners, oh Rays, and Yankees. 15 career home runs, 272 career batting average, shortstop, and second base. Who is this? Oh, not at all who I thought it was. Um... I thought it was Jeff Fry at first, but that's definitely not Jeff Fry. Very, very similar player to Jeff Fry. Oh. <laughs> this I'm is stuck. Ray Sanchez. Oh, I loved Ray Sanchez. Yeah. He played for the Red Sox? Yeah. Yeah. For, mm-hmm. Ray Sanchez. All right. Not, not for long, no. but. Also a guy that played for a crap load of teams. Here we go. Yes. Let's played from 1986 and then 88 to 2006 with Giants, Phillies, Yankees, Giants again, Phillies again, Mariners, Cubs, Giants again, Cubs again, <laughs> Braves, Pirates, Dodgers, Indians, Twins, and Diamondbacks. Jesus. One-time All-Star, 124 and 142 win-loss record, 4.41 ERA. He's a southpaw. And a starting pitcher, who is this? Oh god, he's got some interesting hair too. It looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but he big at the top of his release because his front foot's almost down. 
So yeah, that's an interesting did, release. Did this ball sail like twelve feet over? Well, hence the four point four one career ERA, probably. Right. <laughs> Guy looks. He looks know. like uh, uh, Heath uh, Embry, but Embry wasn't a oh, starter. Embry, yeah. This is Terry Mulholland. Oh yeah, Terry Mulholland. Yeah, that everybody brought him in as like a fifth starter because he was cheap and he mm-hmm. threw strikes usually. Yep. Hence the high ERA. Yep. I yep. doubt on this pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, played from 1999 to 2008 with the Twins, Cubs, Tigers, and Marlins. 165 career home runs, 277 career average, and an outfielder. Who is this? Jock Jones? Yes, sir. Jock Jones. I was like, the only guy I think that fits that profile is Jock Jones, but I wasn't sure if the years were right. Yep, Jock Jones. Nice. He was fun to watch. He 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 really was. Streaky guy. Very streaky. Uh, This one should be a slam dunk. Played from 1999 to 2013 with the Astros, Yankees, Cardinals, and Rangers. Six-time All-Star, 2011 World Series, 366 career home runs, 293 career average, outfielder and first baseman. Who is this? Lance Berkman. Lance Berkman is correct. I I keep wanting to call him Bell, and I'm like, it's the other B. What the hell is his name? Part of the killer bees. That's yep. right. Lance Berkman. Nice. He had that lean back, that slasher swing, but man, did it work. Yeah. Yep. All right. Played from 1984 to 1987, and then 1989 to 1992, 94 to 96, with the Dodgers and the Indians. I'll give you a hint. He never played for the Dodgers in the major leagues because oh. the Dodgers cut him because of an OUI. 46 and 40 win loss record, 3.78 ERA, and he's a relief pitcher. Who is this? <laughs> I was really expecting a real player. I should have known better. So was I. So that was would I. be Rick Wild Thing Vaughn. Ricky Vaughn. So there's there's like there's um websites oh. that you can legit look up like fictional player stats and they they map out their entire career that's awesome so like steve nebraska's was crazy i found his on there um those it was just man it was fun it was fun you hit me with like the win loss record and all this i was like i was like wow this is like this guy's got a legit career here <laughs> yeah it's so funny yeah it's ricky Vaughn. Yeah. all right here we go play from 2000 Nine to 2020 with the Orioles, Nationals, and Cardinals. Yes, Matt Wieters Matt was Wieters. my wow. boy. Matt Wieters was my boy. I was obsessed wow. with Matt Wieters. I loved Matt Wieters. Coming, yeah, out of, he was... coming out of coming out of high school, I was obsessed with Matt Wieters. He was in that group of catchers. You had Saltomachia, Taylor Teagarden, Matt Wieters, um, the guy in Milwaukee. I can't think of his name now to save my life. Like you had this group of catchers that all came up at the same time, and he was, he was like the guy that was supposed to be the cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, thank you for throwing that one in. I was, yeah. I was, that got me back in the game. I'm back into this now. All right. So, uh, yeah. So Matt Wieters. All right. We don't need to hear apparently all the stats. We're just going to uh, move on. I, yeah. That, that That's fine. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't spend all week putting this together or anything. To, yes, <laughs> oh, just it up, so. <laughs> it's all good. For shiny right. to dunk on you. Yeah. It's all good. 
Uh, here we go. Played from 2001 to 2006, and then 2008, 2010, then another break, 2012, with the Yankees, Expos, and Nationals. So he started on the Expos and then went with the team when they moved to oh, Washington. Gotcha. Marlins, Yankees, and Orioles. 95 career home runs, 268 average in first base. Who is this? Wasn't Shelly Duncan? It's the other guy that came up about the same time. Shelly Duncan. That's a name I haven't heard in forever. Right. He was, yeah. It's <laughs> not a name you needed Duncan. to hear either. Nope. Not Olerud. Good guess, oh, Doug. Yeah. Not Olerud. Oh, man. This guy shares the same first name as me. Oh, Nick Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Nick Johnson. Ah. I was like, I can picture him, but I cannot think of his name. He yep. was a and he wore the friggin' Red Sox out. Yep. Nick, I don't think Johnson. I don't think he hit a bit against anybody but the friggin' Red Sox. He only had ninety five career home runs. Yeah, that kind of shocked yeah. me too. Yeah, friggin' eighty of them against the Red Sox. Yeah, probably. Oh. All right, next one. Played from nineteen ninety six to two thousand four with the Mets. Most of his career with the Mets, Rays, and Cubs. Three time Gold Glove, fifth place Rookie of the Year, twelfth career home wow. runs. 246 career average and a shortstop. Who is this? I figured Mets. I was like, I was really hoping Sean had this one because I have no idea. Probably, know, probably one of the best defensive shortstops the Mets have ever had. He's got legs for days, though. He does. Holy cow. Not Jose Reyes. Yeah. The guy right before him. And he was the like defensive highlight film. Why am I blanking on Jose Reyes was when I came into my Mets fandom? <clears throat> oh, gotcha. So he was just a little bit before. Who was right Who was before, before him? Yes. This is Ray Ardonias. Oh, man. Uh... Oh, yeah, he was so good. Yeah. Ray Ordonez. All right. Played from 1999 to 2013 with the Blue Jays, Angels, and Yankees. Three-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, one-time Silver Slugger, and a center fielder. Who is this? Go back again. Blue Jays, Angels, and Yankees. His entire career except for the last two Isn't it like Shannon or something like his first name? No. Uh, on the right track, but not quite. His whole career was with the Blue Jays. The last two years was Angels and Yankees. I, I know exactly who it is. Well, then say it. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't get his name out. It's uh. I, I thought it was Shannon. I know it's something. It's something in that area, but I. I don't. I can't. This is Vernon Wells. Oh, Vernon Wells. William Close. Well, Shannon Vernon. Oh, I'm I mean, a little. That's... I'm a little upset. I didn't get that. I know. I, I, yeah. I can picture him. Loved Vernon Wells. Guy absolutely wore out gaps. Yeah. I'm a little upset at myself. Yeah. Vernon yeah. I think I was thinking too obscure. Oh, sorry about it. No, Trying no, to be no, tricky. no. It was, no, not at <laughs> all. I was... I... Yeah. All right. Next one. We got played from 1995 to 2005 with Braves, Indians, Brewers, and then back with the Braves. 1995 World Series. 
NLCS MVP, and he was a catcher. Who is this? Oh, I totally know who it is, and I don't know his name. Sensing a theme here. It is not Javi Lopez. No, it's not. But Javi. he, but he backed up Javi for a while. He did. There. It's like George. What's his? Not Port. George. The th- Blanco. No. Damn. And there's actually fans behind him, so you know it's a real player. Yeah, it's, it's actually a real player this time. I can't. <laughs> He this, was like he was like the Tony Pena of the time. Like he was had been around a long time. And... Yeah, this is Eddie Perez. Eddie Perez, damn it, never yeah. heard of him. No, oh. yeah, he he, he was, was rock solid for so yeah. long. Yeah, just like the caught like constant professional. Like he yeah. never made bad outs. Like great behind the plate. Like he was yeah. good. He was so good. All right, here we go. Play from 1981 to 1999 with the Tigers. <laughs> Rookie of the year. Nine-time All-Star, three-time Cy Young winner, threw a perfect game towards the end of his career, and he's a pitcher. Who is this? The greatest pitcher of all time, Billy Chappell. I say that movie's so good. I love that movie. If you're gonna do an obscure one, you're gonna give us Gus Sinski, the catcher for the love of the game, John C. Riley's character. Gus Sinski was awesome. He was so good. Gus was a great character. That's awesome. I love that movie. All right, that's an underrated baseball movie. It total people don't appreciate it's, it enough. I love don't it. appreciate it because it's like a drama. You know, it's got like that off the field kind of connection with what's her face. But that movie's fantastic. I remember almost being in tears when he cut his hand with a saw. I'm like, oh my god, what's it gonna happen? Oh, he can't go out this way. So All right. Good. So we started this last week. You guys kind of liked it. So I got a couple more iconic moments. So I'll yeah. give you little clues throughout, and you got to tell me what the iconic moment is. Okay. So first right. one right here. Like I said, the colors of the background kind of also give a clue. So happened off San Diego pitcher Eric Show. Happened in the first inning. It was the 57th anniversary of Ty Cobb's last game. That's a big clue. September 11th, 1985. 57th anniversary of Ty Cobb's last game. I don't know. Ty Cobb is known for stealing bases and getting hits. So, and being a horrible teammate was someone being a bad teammate that day. <laughs> was this a Milton Bradley moment? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Cincinnati Reds. Oh, was this Pete Rose? Yes, Pete Rose's record-breaking hit. Let's say because Ty Cobb did two things: he stole bases and got hits. Yep. So this was Pete Rose breaking the record what what year was that 85 oh all right yep all right here's the next one happened at the polo grounds october 3rd 1951 to win the nl pennant and willie mays was on deck so bobby thompson's hit yeah do you remember what that was called shot her yeah, around the world shot her yeah, around, the world. around the world yeah <clears throat> Wasn't it like wasn't it like ninety two feet down the line? No, it traveled like two something. But okay, nice. Yeah, but yeah. Well, the, those old ballparks were bizarre. That Polo Grounds is just insane. The way that thing was shaped. I used to was, love to get like triple play baseball and play at those ballparks. Like you oh, yeah. could not hit a home run to center field there, no matter who was up. Yeah, 
It's great. You still can on the show. It's awesome. Oh, can you? Nice. But, yeah. All right. Next one. I, I checked out on video games years ago, Nick, because we're not kids anymore. Well, that's too bad. I still am. So, all right. Next one. <laughs> August 4th, 1993. Rangers against the White Sox. More than pitchers were thrown in this at bat. Oh, God. Is this Ventura and Ryan? Yes, it is. <laughs> this is best baseball ah. fight ever. Best yeah. baseball fight ever. Yeah, Ventura and Ryan. He's got six punches in that headlock. So great. That was so good. He was not a young man doing that to Ventura either. That was the best My part. My God. It was just freaking awesome. All right. Why would you charge him out against Nolan Ryan? Like, what, what are you doing? I, I Dude, don't know. He fed him That's... his lunch. It was awesome. Oh, so <laughs> bad. And that was a young oh. Ventura who got humbled quick. Nolan Ryan didn't even get tossed from that game. <laughs> no, he, he finished it. No, he didn't. And he, and he finished the game. Yeah. No, they said he was defending oh, himself. Ventura started it. Yeah. Crazy. Which he did. He totally yeah. did. Yeah. I, I don't blame him for that. But yeah, he didn't even get tossed. He basically busted his forehead up and then continued to pitch. Yeah. All right. Here we go. October 8th, 1995 happened against the Yankees. A kid was on first base and scored. Uh, yeah. Won the yeah, ALDS. This is a, a, when A Rod raced around, raced around the bases there. Not nope. A Rod. You you have the moment, but it wasn't A Rod. A kid. Griffey was on. Yeah, Griffey. Was it Griffey? It Griffey was? scored from first on Edgar Martinez's walk off double to was win A-Rod the ALDS. Deck? I feel like A Rod. I feel like every time I see that clip, I see A Rod going nuts. Was A Rod on deck? Maybe. I think so because he comes to the plate to like lift he, Junior oh, yeah. off the plate. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, Edgar you. Martinez walk off double. It's it is amazing to me that that team with all that talent, that's all oh, they had to show for it. One of the <laughs> like, oh, one of the biggest disappointments ever. Oh, huge! All right, next one, July twenty fourth, nineteen eighty three, happened against the Yankees again. Two outs in the ninth inning, giving this uh, team a five four lead, which then led to a sticky George, situation. Yeah, George Brett's pine tar. Yes, I thought he was going to murder somebody when he came out. Like that, that the clip is awesome. so good. Yeah, nice. Doug got it. Edgar Martinez double. Yep, nice. Yep. Yeah, that was one of the best meltdowns ever. I easily well, top. And like three. you look at George Brett's bat, like he had no argument. The pine tar was like to the friggin' end of it. Like the pine tar was <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, but well, so was everybody else's. It was funny when I, I, I don't know if it was like some part of a documentary or whatever, but it's like years later after he retired, he was given this interview and he was just like, I went back to the bench and I said to them, I sure hope they don't check that bat. There's no way. I mean, throw me out. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> like, he knew it, it was, yeah. The freaking stuff was all the way up. The, I mean, it was all over the bat. Yeah. It was funny. All right. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Then the last one I got here. Also happened against the Yankees. Whitey Ford was on the mound. Game one of the 1955 World Series. The catcher was heated and should have had Aflac to protect him from stolen bases. <laughs> was it Jackie stealing home? Yes, it is. I guess Yogi Bear. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, man, Jackie Robinson was disruptive out there. And Yogi Bear still claims he was out. He was out, yeah. It's so hard to tell by all the pictures. You can't really tell what the plate is either. No, you can't. And but. there's there's still nothing better than all of Yogi Berra's 
phrases and oh, all the crazy stuff. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. All time classic. Yeah. So that's what I had for this week, fellas. Those are good. good. Yeah. Yeah. I had to throw some of those movie ones in there too, like just to kind of throw you guys off. The Rowan Gardner one completely, like I was completely lost on that one. I'm so glad Sean. (laughs) Sean I should. Well, I mean, the. The pep, I do was the, the Pepsi pe- thing. Like, I know I, yeah. it's been in my head now the whole rest of the show. <laughs> I, d- that Pepsi song. <laughs> I, uh, I debated on taking it out because I thought it was a dead giveaway, but I, I, I left I, it in there. I so. completely, so I, I think I, w- I think I still would have got it because it had seven appearances. <laughs> yeah. So I did the seven appearances. So there was no career stats on Rowan Gardner, obviously. Yeah. But he only appeared seven on the mound seven times in the movie. So that's how oh, I got God. the right. seven appearances. Right. Yep. Right. So, but yeah, the other guys, there's like fictional websites where like they map out the whole career. Are. It's like it's it was pretty cool. Of course there are because yeah. people would do that. Right. So, so, just so we can just kind of clear the air, there are many plot holes in that. But you know what <laughs> one drives me nuts? Like probably the most. The Salisbury it, snake. That I think I've <laughs> ranted about that one before. I think I've ranted about that one before. You have. No, no, no. I remember this. No, it's when Henry comes in for his first appearance, right? His first appearance. So like they sign him as a gimmick and it's like, you want to see him play? Come out to Wrigley. And like, oh my God. So Henry goes for the first game and he's in the bullpen. And supposedly Chet Stedman is stinking it up so much that the crowd's like, we want Henry. We want Henry. Sell out crowd. So they tell the kid to warm up. Henry warms up. Henry comes in the game. He plunks a guy. He throws a wild pitch. And the guy tries to go from first to third on the wild pitch and they throw him out. And then John Candy's like, the kid comes in, hits a batter, throws a wild pitch, and still gets the save. So you're telling me that Chet Stedman went eight and two thirds and the crowd was booing him. And they had a chance to win, <laughs> and they bring and they bring in a fifth grader? Like what is that is crazy? <laughs> Fair. I freaking Fair love it. Uh, or I the- love I love the fact, Sean, that that is that you've really like broken this whole situation down. I love it. Well, also, that makes sense. None of that friggin' movie makes sense. On the trick pickoff move was also a balk because he's holding the rosin bag while on the rubber. Well, he's on the mound. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true too. Yeah, right. Can't did do you that. see the? Did you see the quote from that? Uh, the umpire I can't think of his name. He was an MLB umpire for eleven years. They just it was just in a uh, article a couple a couple days ago. I want to say. Who said he was, he was an MLB umpire for 11 years? He goes, I never called a buck. I never understood the rule. <laughs> I, did I was like, That's wow. He, this, this is the guy yeah. that um, umpired MLB games. Never called I'm a buck. Didn't get it. I'm also not entirely sure I believe that 100%. I hope not. Like You didn't know what a buck was? That's kind of like Brett Favre. After Brett Favre retired, he was just like, I never read a defense because I didn't know what zone coverage was. It's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> I, like, I, I, just, I genuinely don't believe that you didn't know the difference. You might not have been confident in your reading of the defense, but you definitely knew the difference. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Ron Luciano, American League umpire for eleven years. I'll I never called a block in my life. I didn't understand the rule. <laughs> crazy. Maybe he meant like he didn't understand the spirit of the rule. Like I, I didn't God, understand. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Well, all right, uh, we're gonna head home here. We got a couple other excuse me, news items to kind of wrap up here. Um, They just released today, this morning, that there are nine City Connect jerseys that are going to be dropped this year. So uh, Cleveland, Detroit, 
Dodgers, Twins, Mets, Phillies, Cardinals, Rays, and Blue Jays. So bring on the Blue City Connects because that's what all those teams have in common. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so nine jerseys will drop this year. So can't wait to complain about those. There's got to be one that's at least fire out of that nine, I would imagine. They're all going to be awesome. Hope. I hope so. So we got that. And hopefully those Phillies jerseys that got leaked aren't it. So we will see. Um, also, we got Jonathan Papelbon campaigning for Trevor Bauer to sign with the Red Sox, saying it would be a great move for the Red Sox to take a gamble on him. What are your thoughts? Why not? What do you got to lose? I mean, if the guy was the guy was throwing high nineties in Korea. He's still throwing high nineties. He'll take the league minimum to prove himself. So you got a chance to get a guy for dirt cheap who's got a massive chip on his shoulder to prove that he's he's still got it. What do you got to lose? And he said he would sign for league minimum. Yeah, That's... he said he'd sign for league minimum. Just just give me something. Let me come. Let me come show that I can still pitch. Talk about a guy that's hungry to come back and prove that his career got derailed, but he's he's not done. Yeah, I I personally have mixed feelings about it. I I don't I don't know. That's my expert analysis. I that's don't. Great. Know. Yeah. That's good. That's good analysis. I mean, I just don't, I don't like. It, would he come to the team and give them what they need? A hundred percent. I have I have no doubt that he yeah. would come and fill that starting pitching role that we desperately need. I just don't know what comes in the suitcase with him. Like, I don't know what he brings for baggage. That's my, that's my biggest concern. Yeah. And I, I mean, I even think outside the whole like PR thing, uh, you know, I think there'd be people out there, regardless of what has, what has gone out, lawsuits being dropped, things that have come out since then, like, regardless of that, like there's going to be a PR thing you're going to have to deal with. But also, like, and I I don't know what kind of teammate he is. I, I you know, you can only – I've never be, obviously been on a team with him, so I, I don't know what kind of teammate he is. But, you know, you got young pitcher. Like, do you want do you want him being in Bayo's ear every day? Yeah. Like, That's I, I mean, you I, – I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what – is he going to be the guy that's going to come in and make it all about him and it's going to be the Trevor Bauer show? every day and then every five days he gets to pitch but every day it's the trevor bauer show or is he going to come in and keep his mouth shut and and work hard and and prove that he can still pitch in this league and go after a big ticket in the offseason? like i don't know i just don't if you if you're confident that he can come in and just be one of the guys and keep his head down and do his thing and pitch every five days and, and go out there and show that you can still and then you know you stay out of the media. You stay off social media. You kind of keep to yourself. Like if you are confident that all that can happen, then yeah. But like, I just yeah. don't know. Like I don't know if that's yeah. the guy you want. I mean, you're not a good team right now. Like, you're right. not a good team right now. And no. your face of the franchise is is Devers. You know, Bayo's coming up, but like Devers, the face of the franchise. If you sign Trevor Bauer, he's now the face of your franchise, just because of who he is and what he brings with him. I just don't know if you want that. Yeah, and it's fair. It's fair. It's tough with Bauer because the the reviews of, on him as a teammate are mixed. You know, Mookie Betts a few months ago came out and gave him a, a ringing endorsement that he was a great teammate, great competitor, a guy you want on your ball club. Other Dodgers didn't feel the same way. 
the team the team he played with in Japan last year, Korea, wherever the hell he was, um, the reviews on him were mixed. Because the thing with Bauer is that he's he doesn't hide his opinion, and he is like like Mookie Betts said, he's like super super competitive to the point where like if you're not prepared to play at that kind of level, he's a guy that will drive you crazy. Because he expects to be perfect, he expects you to be perfect, he expects you to be there early, stay late. Like he's, you know, it's the same reason a lot of guys don't like Tom Brady, because he was that kind of insane, intense competitor. Yeah, you know, they say Bauer's got a lot of that in him too. Like he expects everybody to want it as bad as he does, and that wears on people. But you got a guy right now who's been humbled to probably the highest degree he's ever going to be. You could probably set some ground rules with him, and if he doesn't follow him, you cut him loose. You know, look, Trevor, you're going to be on a, you got a good boy contract. And the minute you're not a good boy, you're gone. But this might be the one chance to get a guy like that at that level of talent. You make the rules and take a shot. And if the guy comes in and can't stop running his mouth, you cut him. He costs you nothing. Um, But I do. I think, I think Trevor Bauer has got a checkered past. He's got, he's done a lot of things that have made him maybe not the most liked guy in baseball, but he's a competitor he's got great stuff and he's at a point in his career where he is willing to eat the humble pie. And this is the chance to capitalize on that. Yeah. Well, yeah it I, might, I, be, I, might be one of the things we see that once a couple pitchers go down, a team goes in and signs them. Yeah. You know, like kind of a desperation mode. Maybe that's what happens, but. Well, I think the Red Sox probably have a better chance than most at signing him because like, if I'm, if I'm a team that's, expecting to compete and I do have a guy that goes down but I have Trevor Bar- Trevor Bauer would worry me about coming into a legitimate contender yes, and messing up a clubhouse yep like I would be worried yeah. if I were the Texas Rangers if I were the Tampa Bay Rays if I were the you know even the Chicago Cubs who I think are going to be good this year like I would be worried about a Trevor Bauer coming yeah. in and messing with the chemistry of a locker room you know, the Dodgers are different. Like, you, dude, I mean, that was – when he was in L.A., I mean, that was a clubhouse of alphas. Like, Big that time. was a clubhouse. That was a clubhouse where, like, they could tell him, like, dude, shut up. Like, just <laughs> go about your business. Like, leave yep. everybody alone. Go do your – get on the bike, do your throwing regimen, leave everybody alone. Yep. Like, I, not every locker room has that. Right. So, I, I think you just, you just have to be careful with – bringing him into a clubhouse. The Red Sox, I think, have a decent chance. And from a baseball standpoint, it certainly makes sense. The whole clubhouse aspect of it would worry me. But, I mean, you make a good point, Harrison. I mean, it's, a, you know, league minimum, like you called it a good boy deal, right? The minute you're not a good boy, we'll see you later. And, uh, you know, I think that you have leverage in that. Big time. Uh, and if he can't, and if he signs a league minimum deal, knowing full well that it's a good boy deal and he still can't be a good boy, well, then there's proof right there exactly. that you can't hack it in this league. So yep. you certainly have that leverage over him for right. that one year to to be on his best behavior. So, you know, you make a good point there. It could certainly work. And again, yeah, think, baseball standpoint, he can still bring it. He can. And I think your point is, is spot on, Sean. I think that there's only certain teams that can do this. You cannot bring him into a young team like the Cincinnati Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, or Orioles. Because, you know, the Orioles, because that is a that's a personality that a young group will be overpowered by. You don't want to bring him into a kind of an established good culture type team like a D-backs or a Rangers. He needs to either be on a middle of the road team that's got a manager that can handle it or on a very veteran team with guys like you said that will just put him back in his place. 
in LA, he had guys around him who would, who would just put him back in his place. Um, and a manager who kind of just said, yeah, you, you players run the show and do what you need to do, but you can't just put him anywhere. It's got to be in a situation that can handle it. Could Alex Cora handle him? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I think Alex Cora has enough respect from players generally where that might go better, but you couldn't put him in Toronto because he'd eat that locker room and, and coaching staff alive. But yeah. there are certain places that I think he could fit, but there's only so many. Yeah. Um, also, news this week, the owners met on what a, a, a baseball in the Olympics could look like. So the proposed idea was it would be six to eight nations, a five or six day tournament in mid-July or whenever the Olympics are. This would be in the year 2028. Um, the MLB all-star game could be held or canceled for a year. So they'll just either hold it off until the Olympics are over or just cancel it altogether for that year. And the regular season would be roughly 158 games. They're thinking, so they would shorten the season a little bit. Um, the process is the players association is open to hearing formal proposals about it. Um, and the Olympic committees could assist with player assurance, insurance, sorry, um, during the tournament. Um, and any plan requires the approval of the players' union, of course, naturally. Yep. So, I mean, I don't hate this idea. I think they're going to try to kind of go off the WBC feeling of it and, and get baseball back in the Olympics and have pros compete versus the college kids going over and playing, you know, for the gold medal. What are your thoughts on pros going versus the college kids? Yeah, sure. It's good baseball. I mean, I think you, you're you going to throw a wrench into it with it being in the middle of the season. You right. know, I, I, and obviously with it, you know, being subject to approval by the play Association, I think that's going to probably be one of their biggest sticking points. I mean, we got – pitchers you know more specifically than position players but you know we got pitchers who are in a groove here in the middle of july and you know we yeah. gotta we're fighting for a you know top seed you know going into the to the to the final home stretch and we got to take a break on that to go you know play in the olympics I, I can i could definitely see some pushback on the player association side i mean i'd love to see it i mean i love Last year's W was it last year, right? The WBC was last year. This year, yeah, it was this year. Yeah, I'm losing my mind. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, the the baseball world stage, it was great. You know, the tournament was great. You know, it's you had big upsets. You had teams getting to the next round that nobody anticipated getting to the next round. It was great. You know, and I think theoretically, I would love to see that on the Olympics, but um, I don't know. I I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I, it's funny. Doug made a comment. I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, Doug's comment. He's interested in seeing it kind of like the futures game where top prospects would go rather than the established pros or the unproven college kids that oftentimes get out there and kind of get in over their head. But I I struggle because the Olympics were always designed to be more of like an amateur type sporting event. Like it wasn't meant to be all the, the top pros that go in there. And I know that over the over the years that's changed. Basketball certainly took that rule away. And now it's anybody can go and and really none of these olympic athletes are amateurs anymore because they're all you know sponsored and training (laughs) so for years for this so it's not like these are just good athletes these are like finely tuned specimens that are have a team behind them 
major leaguers going sure uh i i think it causes some concerns with the timing of it it's one more thing that could take him out to get hurt um i also question how many major leaguers are going to want to go play in it how many of them look at this and kind of go ah you know we got a world series run here i'm not interested in or we're gonna you know playoff chase i'm not I don't want to go do that. Um, I worry that we're going to get all excited to see major leaguers go and have a lot of them just go, nah, I'm good. Um, but to Doug's point, I'd love to see them really focus on that next tier of player. Like those, those minor leaguers that are on the verge or the minor leaguers that have kind of just come up to the major leagues that maybe could use a, you know, a pressure type moment to help, help fill in. I'd love to see them really focus on those guys, but I don't know what to expect with this. Major leaguers, sure, it doesn't bother me, but I don't know that a lot of them are going to be gung ho to go. Well, and it's all proposed, right? I mean, it's I mean, right. not even officially proposed, but this is their idea. So sure. there's a big chance that major leaguers don't even go in 2028. So right. there's there's always that. So they could put this all together, and then the players union or somebody's like, yeah, no, I think we're good. So there's always that. But all right. And then the final thing I have tonight, um, the Oakland A's moved to Vegas slash uh, Oakland's talk, talking about a lease extension through 2027 slash Oakland might not have a home or the athletics might not have a home. The Oakland, um, the Oakland athletics of Vegas of Oakland? Yeah, it, maybe. Of uh, Nashville. The mayor, I'm so lost in this right now. It's not even funny. So like, so the mayor of Las Vegas came out and said, we don't want the team. Correct. And then there's another statement saying, well, if we build the ballpark, there's no parking, there's no public transportation. So we're just literally going to have a ballpark. Cool. With nowhere uh, to get there. With nowhere to get there or park. Yeah. Um. So what, what are we what are we going to do? Like what's, the, what's fun in all this is that really, this is not about the Oakland athletics. This is about the dysfunction of Vegas. Right. So what the, so the article that came out was breaking down the situation and what, so what happens is the strip, as we all know, is not under the jurisdiction of the city of Vegas. It's main, it's managed and maintained by the County. So the A's cut a deal with the County that oversees the strip. And the mayor of Vegas is going, we don't want you here, but I can't control what goes in the strip. It's not necessarily part of my area. So now you've got basically the mayor of the city of Vegas and the county are now battling over this ballpark because the city doesn't want it, but they can't say no. And the A's are kind of like stuck in between mom and dad trying to figure out how they're going to play this because it's a nine acre site. It'll be, it would be the smallest site they put a major league baseball field on to this point. It would not have ample parking. It would be a very small stadium seating wise. They can only go up so high and the traffic is already bad through there. And with no additional parking, they're saying, we don't even know where these people would go. So now, so now the city of Vegas may have to put in more public transport on their tab to feed the strip for the ballpark. And the mayor saying, we don't want this. Like we don't want it. We didn't ask for it. We can't support it. I stay in Oakland. Like what you want works in Oakland. What you want doesn't work here. So don't come. And now the Oakland A's are kind of caught in this this battle of what's going to happen. In yeah. the meantime, they, they're still trying to find a temporary home and haven't. So they're going back to Oakland and say, hey, can we stay until this new ballpark? Is there Oakland's like, you can't get out of here fast enough, but now you want to stick around. 
And apparently they're considering proposing their original ballpark plan back to Oakland to say, well, would you do this if we stayed? But this is a, this is a mess. And this is, this is all the County and the city of Vegas battling over how this is going to get handled. Uh, It's a disaster. It's I'm here for it. (laughs) It's it's I'm 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 here for it. I'm here for it. Yep. Well, and the uh, and the Raiders dealt with something similar too. Like they had to battle with the city over the stadium placement, um, because when they moved, I think a little bit off the strip, it it now all of a sudden they had to deal with different people, and it just it's the nature of Vegas. Vegas is a very strange place in how it's set up and run. I mean, you can't just throw a a hundred thousand seat stadium in the middle of the strip either. Like I mean, no. more like. Not saying that baseball would, but like you can't put a Legion Stadium like right in the middle of the strip and be like, okay, we got the Raiders here now, which is essentially what they're trying to do with the A's, even if they were going to keep it at 30,000 seats or whatever. Like you still don't have the place to put that many cars without public transportation to get there. So they're going to have to go outside the strip too. And the owner of Oakland wants to do like they want to, they want a hotel on site and an event center. Like they want to make it a destination and, the city's going, there's no way on earth you can pull that off here. It just yeah. doesn't work. Right. It's crazy. That it's just got all approved and like ready to move. And then nope, we'll just pull the rug. So well, and the funny thing is that in the in the eyes of the county, it's still happening. The city's just saying we don't want you, but the city can't stop it. So now you got this weird dynamic of do we want to go to a city where the locals don't want us? Or do we find the plan? I mean, you got time. You do. I mean, you've got time, but that ballpark is going to take three years to go up. So you need to make some decisions here soon so you can get started in the ballpark. Otherwise, 2028 becomes 2030 before you know it. Right. Crazy. So it's nuts. It's nuts. (laughs) So we'll keep a running tab on that and see where that ends up. But um, it's just with the talks of like expansion coming in in the next five or six years too, like, if you could possibly have the Brewers moving, you could have the A's moving. Um, it's just, although there there are talks that Milwaukee is going to improve that ballpark or update it. So chances are the Brewers are going to stay from what I've heard. Um, well, that's another one where but, the Brewers don't own the ballpark. So they're begging the county to put in the, to put the money into the ballpark. Right. Taxpayers don't want to pay for it, but the county's got to pay for it somehow. And you're now stuck in another debacle with a local government trying to make this all work and that's why the values of these teams are so much higher when they own the ballparks because they have full control of the asset they can use it as they want they can improve it as they want all the ticket revenue comes to them like there's no there's none of this you know confusion around who's in charge yeah but i i think i read that milwaukee did approve it so i think they're on their way of of doing that but you kind of have to right i mean you you can't (laughs) let the brewers move away no, that'd be a disaster. Yeah, but what else you got coming to Milwaukee? I mean, beer and sausage. Other the one. Bucks. What else do you need? That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't know. I know we've talked about expansion cities and what that would look like, but um, I don't know. I think a lot's riding on what's going to happen with this Vegas thing because maybe they stay in Oakland and then Vegas becomes an expansion city. Right. Like, we just, we don't know at this or point. Or maybe Oakland is homeless and has like to Vegas, move to an expansion city. It d- right. It doesn't seem like Vegas wants baseball, though. 
Well, that's the thing. Or yeah. they just don't want the A's. Yeah, maybe that's what it is, too. Uh, no, I don't know. If you want baseball and baseball wants to come to you, you take it. Like, I, I don't I don't care how bad the well, franchise is. I mean, that's, you that's, know, fair. Like, it, that's fair. To me, it's it, this is coming off a lot of Vegas being like, we don't – not we're in over – but we got two sports. Like, Vegas is not a big city. It's not. Like, it's it's not – I mean, you know, you, it's – well, you got the strip and you got every all these tourists and all that, you know, nonstop coming to Vegas. But Vegas is not a desert. They they've got two professional sports teams. Yep. Like I I think in theory it was one of those like, oh my God, like hockey's doing really well here. The Raiders showed up and the Raiders are, you know, doing numbers as far as attendance. Like we can handle a third one. And then you start to plan it out, and it starts to get to a reality, and it's like, shit, I can't handle this. Yeah. We don't yeah. we don't want this. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's different, man. I mean, like 41 home games for hockey, right? Seven or eight home games for football, you know, depending on the eight or nine, depending on the season. Yep. 81 home games for baseball. <laughs> right. It's, it's just an entirely different That's animal. It's and you're an talking entirely you know, different animal. You could have six nights in a row of baseball. Right. And you got to deal with that ent- crap every night. It's an entirely different animal. I just don't know if they are built for baseball. I don't know if they can handle yeah. it. They have a minor league team, or they did. I, I assume the. Las Vegas 51s or whatever are still there, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, I Triple think so. Triple A team, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they have baseball there. And, and you know, if, if if they're not drawing record numbers every night for minor league baseball, I don't think they're looking at this being like, our oh, professional baseball is – or or major league baseball, I should say, is, is really going to put the numbers over the top. Well, and like you, like you said, like, Vegas is a destination, right? I didn't even think about it until you just said it, Harrison. Like, if they have a, a seven, ten-game homestand, like – People go out to Vegas usually for the week. Sure, I'll take Monday night. I'll go Monday night to the baseball game, and then I'm not going again for the rest of the week. Right, right. Like, so if everybody goes on Saturday, they sell out, you're going to just have a ghost town the rest of the homestand until the next wave of people come in on their vacation. Like, it's not going to be a constant attendance. And it's in football and hockey is different. They don't play series throughout the year. You know, right, so, right. you know, you have your season ticket holders, but you, you're largely relying on road fans to come out and travel with right. their team and they spend the, the long yeah. weekend or they spend the week in Vegas and, and it's all centered around their their team playing on the road in Vegas. You know, baseball's different. You don't draw road fans. That's not the bulk of your fan base. Right. The bulk of your fan base is your season ticket holders and the people that live in your city. And, you know, they buy season ticket packages if they're not going to buy all 81 games. But you know, it's it's not a city that is that is built for that. You don't have millions of people that live there year round, right? That are that are going to be in the market to do that. Like it's it's I, I don't know if it's a city that's built for Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, fair. and but, you know, baseball it's a diff- it is a different animal, and I think this is two things. I think one, it's Vegas has brought in two professional teams in what the last four years, five years. I mean, five, they've. Yeah. They brought six, in a lot of activity. Yeah, five or six years. They brought in a lot of activity in a short window of time that they're trying to kind of get used to. Um, and two, I think Vegas wants baseball, but they don't want it as it's proposed. They'd like to see it maybe go somewhere else because I think that if you take that off the strip and make it a little less kind of in the middle of all this stuff, kind of creating chaos, maybe put it a little bit outside of there, it probably does work because you don't have you don't have the congestion and chaos that that causes 81 nights a year. Um, whereas, you know, the NFL, it's like Sean said, it's eight games and it's always, it's almost always on Sundays. Like you, you know, exactly what you're getting into. 
baseball it's tuesday wednesday thursday friday okay they're out they're out on the road again but next week they're here for six nights in a row and then they're then they're out again like it's the constant kind of fluctuations to that schedule that i think are going to cause problems for them yeah i agree so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that the whole television drama because it's it is something else right now so it's wild it's and it's just it's all of a sudden gotten to be a really big deal really fast yeah so we will see what happens but all right do you guys have anything else before we wrap up the show tonight i get a few quick hitters okay go uh mlb and nike announced all the new uniforms that are coming out these nike vapor jerseys and they are generally disliked by the players uh they're uncomfortable they don't fit well and they look cheap that was a general feedback huh so they're they still look the same they're just made they're no, not the city connects yeah there's some pictures of them they just they look bland they look like uh they look more t-shirt than jersey like the the style of them gotcha so hmm. it's their vapor premier jersey it's designed to be it's got more moisture management it's more airflow it's breathable lightweight but it also looks more like a t-shirt in terms of its and the way it's made so generally not liked by the players anybody wearing nike jerseys this year are going to have these vapor jerseys and a lot of the players are not happy about it hmm. um so yeah i'll have to keep an eye on kind of what jerseys end up getting released to the end up hitting the field and also get released to the public um adam wainwright is joining mlb network as an analyst which i think is going to be awesome to have him in, in the booth yeah love having him stay around baseball uh, Jenny Kavnar will be the first primary play-by-play voice in MLB history. She's leaving the Rockies to go work for the A's. She's going from somebody. She's going from being in the booth to being the primary play-by-play voice. Yeah, it's awesome. And then, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And, and I guess she did really good work with the Rockies. They were sad to see her go, but she had a chance to take over and be the primary. So good for her. Um, and then Jen Pawal. I, I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce her last name. I've butchered it every time I've said it. Um, could potentially be Major League Baseball's first female umpire. She will serve as a full-time MLB ump during spring training this year, and she'll be kind of the first umpire that gets called up should anything happen to any of the existing kind of circulating umpires. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's the first Great. female to umpire since I think it was like 2007, I yep. think. Yep. Um, so that's that's awesome and she's Love been it. in the minors since 2016 so it's not like she just like popped up and she's looking for right. a shot she's been around and she's umpired a lot of games yeah that's amazing so pretty cool so, to see that too yeah but all right anything else that's it all right thanks for chiming in watching the show um and Uh, Before you go, just make sure that you like and follow us on Facebook. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Um, You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also share our reels, comment on our reels, um, and get our name out there. Uh, We really appreciate the support. So we will be back on regular time next Monday at 8 p.m. with some pitcher and catcher news we're we're reporting tomorrow so we are excited baseball is back baby first first spring training game is nine days away let's go all right all right see you next monday see you later